Right. Cool. So we're on. Um, welcome everybody who's tuning in or who's going to turn in as we're live too. Um, episode two, Iron Wine Fitness. If you guys have never heard of Iron Wine Fitness, uh, my opinion, the best gym on the island. I've been to quite a few of them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's uh, 1727 Republican Street, Suite 3112, Honolulu, Hawaii, 96819. Um, you can Google them and get the number if you need to talk to them about coming in and trying to day pass or something. But definitely, if you're in the area, come check it out. Um, one of those unique gyms I've been into. The equipment's great. They're always upgrading. It's, the atmosphere there is amazing. So, but we're I talk about Iron Hole. Yeah, all super family too. <laughs> it's all good. The, whole, the reason I bring that gym up is because this is episode two of Inside Iron Wine Fitness, where I find people in the gym with interesting stories and bring them on to tell it. Um, today we have Mike Nelson. He's, I think you've been there as long as as I have, as I've been working there. I've, I've been working there about three or four years. How long have you been Iron Wine yeah. Fitness? I've been on since probably, I want to say 2016. So, uh, okay, so you were know. there before me. Yeah, but I but I've known Mike and the rest of them guys in a sense before they opened their own gym, and so the the um, um the story behind that is uh um before he opened his own gym he was actually training with people at Twenty Four Hour Fitness, and so yeah. I so I knew him from way back then. So. Oh shit! Okay, so yeah, uh, I yeah I just I didn't come in the picture until. I want to say, I would say it's three or four years ago. I don't know. Mark can remember. It was uh, 2000. Got to be at least 2017, 17 or 18. Yeah. Yeah. It was around there. I get like January 1st that year I started. Yeah. So, um, so I want to bring you on, Mike, because, um, hey, you have an interesting story. Um, and I know there's people out there that might be in a situation similar to yours that may not choose the way that you went about it. Um, you guys that don't know, Mike is uh, has cerebral palsy. You've had it since birth, or is it? Yeah, birth since birth. Yeah. And he, you know, if you were to watch him train in the gym, you know, besides the walk, you wouldn't be able to tell he has it. I mean, he fucking does everything that anybody else does that trains for bodybuilding. It doesn't hold him back, and it caught my attention. I mean, even even when you do like the car- cardio on the stair mill, I'm like, fuck, this nothing holds this dude back. Like it's just. You know what I think? Well, because somebody would think of what you can and cannot do, but that's they've been there while they realize you can fucking do anything in there, pretty much. Mm-hmm. So, it, yeah. it, it, it's um, and you also compete. So, you know, especially, it's just um, it, it's it's interesting because you know, like you say, you've seen a lot of people that use the craziest excuses to hold themselves back. Mm-hmm. And there's people like you and others that have what people could consider setbacks. It doesn't even phase them. And it takes a certain kind of mindset to do that. I mean, I'm sure there has to be some mental reframing and stuff going on. So if you had to prove to yourself and teach yourself so that you couldn't let like the naysayers or couldn't let the negativeness hold you back uh, and stay in good spirits and and, and train. And, you know, uh, and that's, that's kind of what I want to talk about starting off with is, is, you know, when, did you play any other sports? Or was bodybuilding the first thing you really got into? Um, the first sport I played was uh, organized basketball. And um, well, growing up, I was you know I played soccer and everything too. But um, um, basketball isn't always you know isn't always isn't always, and it was my first love, and it's always going to be my first love. Um, one of my greatest you know favorite players of all time is Kobe Bryant, and um, basically with Kobe, um. Like he, 
he was so meticulous in how he how he went about things, you know, and how he did his training and 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 everything, his, his preparation and everything too. And um, it got to the point where I was a senior in high school, and I had decided to try for the basketball team. And um, I remember going to the doctors, and the doctor immediately checked off um, because there's a there's a couple boxes, you know, that you know the doctors can check off right for you know for your physical, and he didn't clear me for um physical you know physical you know physical contact and i'm like doctor i'm like if you don't clear me i'm not gonna make the team because in my mind i'm like i'm like yo i'm just as good as everybody else on this court you know once i lace up my shoes it's a wrap and um um i saw i had to turn in you know i had to turn in the medical you know the medical waivers and everything too and uh, they let me try out but basically i couldn't make the team because i couldn't clear the medical waivers and um that kind of it, it shook me for a bit, and I remember, um, because uh, they gave me two letters. It was a the two letters was congratulate congratulations you made the team, and the other letter you know letter was, I regret to inform you, but you didn't make the squad more or less, right? And I hung it up on my bedroom, you know, on you know above my bedroom, uh, above my bed, and so I hung I I hung it up above my bed, and every morning. I got up and I saw that every night I went to bed and I saw that. And uh, what I told myself is like, yo, I never want to feel this, feel this ever again. <laughs> but contrary to popular belief, um, bodybuilding has always been in the picture. It has always been there. It was, but it was never the forefront, you know, for what it is now. Um, I, I, I was always in the gym training. I was always trying to um, get better physically um, because of my physical condition. And the one thing with cerebral palsy is um, it is a actually classified as a traumatic brain injury because it affects your speech and the way you walk. And as you guys have noticed, I've, I've already started and whatnot too, because I started, you know, when I get excited. You know? So usually when I'm, when I'm talking about something that I'm really passionate about, like my brain just kind of goes haywire a bit and I, I kind of just got to slow myself down. And, but um. There's different types of cerebral palsy, you know, there's spastic, there's, there's balls palsy, there's all kinds of different things with this disability. But what's, yeah. what, 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 what's, what's specific about yours? Because I forgot to ask uh, that before we went into this, is like what the more specifics about the type of condition you have? Um, well, I'm classified as a mild, mild case of cerebral palsy, which means it's like uh, it affects me, but it's more physical than mental because uh, there's other people, you know, where they uh they can't control their speech patterns or they can't control, you know, cognitive, you know, that thing, you know, that, that type of stuff. Where me, it's more physical. As you get, you know, and 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 as you have seen in, you know, you know, you know, in person, you know, well, the way I walk and whatnot too is basically because of the physical disability, you know. So but yeah, man. Um, but to get back to what I was saying is like um bodybuilding has always been there. Um and I always was enamored by bodybuilding. One of the first guys I ever watched was, um, remember back in the day when they used to make them YouTube videos, you know, were the motivational YouTube videos, you know, it'd be clips of like, Arnold. Yeah, you know, yeah. clips of Arnold and everything. Yeah, so uh, I used to have, um, I used to have, a, I used to have a MySpace page back in, you know, back in high school and every <laughs> single video. Yeah, that's, that's how old You I just was. dated yourself. You just dated yourself, man. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's cool. It's whatever. You know, we've been, we've been honest over here. Yeah. Uh, and so I had a bunch of, uh, 
my my page consisted of like basketball clips and bodybuilding. And um I always was enamored with, you know, just physically like what does it take just to change your body to get, you know, to get like that. And then once I got into the, you know, the realm of bodybuilding, and um this is this is after high school, you know, while I was in college and uh I had a bunch of free time on my hands because it's like I would go to school in the mornings, you know, work a little part-time job, and then um, and then I would have the rest of the time off just to train. And um, I kind of got um stuffed into it because I was like, oh, it's like because I could physically see my body changing, and I could physically see you know myself getting stronger. And um, but what improved along with that was my mentality. And uh, I'll dive into that at a at a later point in time. I one, one thing I was thinking about was how you put the letters. You know, you say you put it above your bed. Yeah. As a, as a reminder, so you're already mentally putting your head in the right space. Kind of like it's up there reminding you so that you stay motivated. Um, I, I've done stuff like that before. And I, I think it's, um, you know, or, or or sometimes I'll tell people put it, you know, because everybody's on their damn phone all the time. Put on the, <laughs> put it as the wallpaper on your phone. So every time you turn on your phone, you fucking see that, yep. you know, because uh, I think we do need we do need reminders because this world is so fast paced and everybody's so caught up in social media that their head's always somewhere else instead of where it should be. Mm -hmm. And I I think keeping reminders up like that are very good to, to to keep you focused. Uh, A lot of things are designed to keep us out of focus and we have to, we have to kind of combat that with things. So that's, um, you know, that's, that's pretty, it's interesting um, that you immediately did that without any, anybody suggesting it. So I already told you like how motivated you were to try to make the team. Now, was that the first time you ever had that hold you back, had that issue hold you back as far as, as performing or anything like that, or. As, as of not making an organized squad. Yeah. Yeah. That was the first time, first and only time. So you get, you get into, you, you start getting interested in bodybuilding and so when did you start practicing it? When was the point where you were like, you know, this is something I can fucking do. I, this, you know, I can, I can do this regardless. Um, let me see. Um, the first, probably the first time that I actually knew I could do it. Um, probably maybe 20, um, no, um, 2009, 2010. And, um, I was, um, I was in school, you know, I wasn't really doing that well academically. And then I, and, but the one thing that was consistent was, you know, was, you know, was the training. And I figured like, yo, if, if I applied the same tenacity, you know, to my academics, you know, as a training, you know, um, I, you know, I can get better. And so I, I kind of put that same mindset towards my books that I had in the gym. I mean, you know, everything else kind of fell into place, but it wasn't until maybe, it took me probably about a decade to step on stage. Yeah, about a decade. So from twenty, uh, from two thousand nine to about twenty eighteen is when I did my first show. But in in that span of period of time, there were so many things that that were happening in my life, you know, both positive and negative. Um, and um, but the one thing that got me into competitive bodybuilding was that uh, I remember um, I remember stepping on the scale one day. Actually, no, no, I take that back. I had gone to use a bathroom and I, I had, um, you know, washing my hands. And then I, I was looking at myself and I'm like, okay, something's, something's going on. here. there's something that, you know, that something's not, you know, it's, it's not clicking. And uh, so that's when I stepped on the scale. And I was about 
about 190. And I'm, I'm five foot seven. So you do the math. And so I, I wasn't obese, but I was headed that way. And um, and one of the trainers at the gym, you know, at the gym that you know, you know, Jeff, you know, um, I've known him ever since I was 18 years old. So, you know, and um I I I remember going to the grocery store that night and just throwing out everything else, you know, well, I threw out everything else in my refrigerator. I went to the store, I picked up vegetables, I picked up potatoes. I I didn't know what I was doing nutrition-wise, but I knew what I was doing up until that point wasn't working. And it took me, um, that was, geez, I want to say April of, no, yeah, it was April of 2018. And by July of 2018, I was, I went from about 190 to about 165, 170. Yeah. And a, a lot of it was trial and error, you know what I mean? So, cause I knew the training and everything that I knew, and I, I, ha- I had all that down. My thing was in nutrition because I was one of them dudes like, yo, I can eat whatever the fuck I want to eat because I'm over here lifting two, three hours a day or whatever it is. Boom, 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 boom. Not realizing that Jack in a Box and, you know, McDonald's and all the other shit was super bad for you. But, you know, at 20, 20, 21 years old, you like you think that you can do whatever you want and there's no repercussions for it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and but but basically just compound that into years of just having bad habits. And so that's, you know, that's what happened. Um, and so fast forward 2018, uh, me and Jeff did the show. Um, I ended up not placing in that show. And by, out of 20 guys in that category, I placed 10th. Not placed 11th, my bad. I placed 11th. And, uh, but I remember stepping on stage and seeing the crowd go nuts. And I figured like, oh, okay. Like, and like for the first time in a long time, I was never looked at the guy with the you know with the funny walk. I was never looked at the guy with, you know, that had this speech impediment. Like, you know, people looked at me and they say physically, like, if he did that, what the fuck is my excuse? You know, so yeah. that kind of, you know, physically, I know I can do this. Mentally, I just got to be tapped in. You know, it's, um, I remember seeing you first when you were practicing posing on stage. This is like, this is, um, why I say these things, I'm thinking it's not me being a dick, it's just me being ignorant, not realizing that you could do these things because I didn't know you that yeah. long. I just yeah, seen you yeah. come in the gym and I'm like, fuck, man, he's working out this good for him. But then I'm like, this guy trains legs. And then there's no time where I'm like, this motherfucker does, he does stair mill, he does the cardio. And then like a few months later, you get on stage. I was like, God damn, he's in shape. What the fuck? <laughs> so I'm like, this is crazy. You know, because I've never seen anybody in the gym with that condition. Yeah. It's like, yeah, nothing holds this guy back. He gets in shape and all this. This is this is awesome, you know. Yeah. And um, you compete in physique, right? And that's actually a category. Yeah, sure. you, yeah. Even with your condition, you can go far. And I mean, I saw a guy who turned pro that had one leg the other day, uh, a couple months. Yeah. Ago. yeah, yeah, I seen that too. So yeah, you know, and so you know, and uh, the to go even deeper into that, um, um, the re- the reason why my mindset is the way it is because um, number one, my brother, my twin brother, has the same disability I have, but it's more severe. So he he uses a wheelchair to get around, but cognitively he's fine. Physically he's fine. He just doesn't have the mobility that I have, you know. <clears throat> but um, let me let me take a step back. Um, my dad was a, a career you know military man. Spent twenty two years in the navy, and um, um, we were born I believe five months premature. So you do the math. We we were um, wow, uh, we came that in is early. Jesus. Yeah, we came we came in at 26 weeks. And so we spent four months in an incubator and the whole nine and everything, right? You know? Yeah. And um 
I got to credit my dad for, you know, for a lot of my mental you know, fortitude because uh, he was one of the first dudes to be like, yo, you know, I, I understand the shit, you know, shit's going to be difficult for you, but you can't let that stop you. And it's, I don't care if it's me, your family, or, you know, your friends, whatever it is. It's like, you got to believe in yourself because it's like, if you don't believe in yourself, nobody else will. And I think at the end of the day, um, that's what that's what drives me basically to be the best I can be, you know, whether it's music, bodybuilding, you know, my nine to five job or whatever it is. Um, I give the credit to him because it's like without him instilling that, in, you know, in me at a, you know, at a young age is that like you probably wouldn't be me. And you probably wouldn't be sitting there talking about this. You know, it's interesting. Um how when you're younger, because I, I went through this too, because my dad was an asshole. He was in the 82nd, he's in the army. And um, so you know what I'm talking about, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like there, there, there's shit they do when you're young, when you're like, God, my dad's such an asshole. Then you get older, yeah. and you're like, oh, now it makes <laughs> it sense. <starts> clicking, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I actually, yeah, I actually um, talked to my dad about that a few years ago. I apologize for being such a piece of shit kid. And uh, he's like, yeah, he's like, you don't, you know, you don't realize. The, the the what's behind what we're trying to do and stuff until you get older, yeah. you know. And um, you know, I, my dad was a real big throw throw me to the wolves person, you know. Mm, so me too. Me too. he he chewed my ass. He's it's why I was thinking about this today, how the ass chewings I would get from him and everything. But then I look at after that, every time somebody loses their shit and yells, I'm always the calmest guy in the room. It's because there is nothing they're going to tell me that I did not hear worse than once in my life. <laughs> so, <it's> a, <laughs> It's great. It's crazy how, like, um, you know, fathers that are hard, especially military dads, but then you get older and you realize, oh, this, that's why he was like that. You go from being like, you don't know what you're talking about to being like, this was one of the smartest dudes of all time. <laughs> when yeah. you get older, you know, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's, um, it, that's, that's good. It's, um, you know, and as you see, it, it pays off because now you got the, you got a strong mindset. You don't let anything hold you back and you've gotten a lot accomplished. Um, you know, like like that guy just noticed about like I mentioned earlier about stuff seeing you when you were competing and stuff. It kind of it blew me away because you know I'm where I'm from. We don't, you know, it's it's real like middle of nowhere. So when I came here to Hawaii, I've seen a lot of shit I haven't seen before, <laughs> and I never seen anybody with that condition go in the gym and do everything like that. So that was that like caught my eye. Um, if you couldn't compete or do bodybuilding, what would you do? Um, if I couldn't compete or do bodybuilding, I would be a strength and conditioning coach, which is I'm actually studying for that right now. So. I'm starting to retake the exam and everything. So um, if if I couldn't be a competitive bodybuilder, you know, I would, you know, be doing that in any way. So. Okay. So you still stay in the field somewhat, something that would keep you related yeah. into it. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Now, something else interesting that I didn't know about you until later on and that I just now started talking to you about is um, – the the music you, you also do music i want to know what 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 inspired you to start doing that uh, um yeah that's even uh see what it, what inspired me to do that um i was in college and um one of my good friends or well, one of my friends at the time we, uh, we ended up becoming really good friends um we was um i remember um we were sitting in a history class and, and it was boring and so me, me and him were talking about um I don't know how the conversation came about, but um I guess I, I used to carry around a notebook with me, you know, you know, because I, I used to I used to write rhymes. 
And so he see my notebook and he's like, hey man, well, you know, and, and, and he saw that I was writing rhymes. And he goes, oh, so um, like, what do you, um, like, what do you write in rhymes for? This and this and that. And then we started talking about music programs and all, all kinds of different stuff, right? And so the music program he picked, you know, well, he, you know, he pointed me towards was EJ Hip Hop 6. EJ Hip Hop 6 was a, a basic, basically a beginner's program where you're able to drag and drop pre-made loops and beats into actual songs. So you can make okay. pre-made samples just basically based off that. And I graduated from that to FL Studios and so on and so on and so on. But um, what got me um, um, involved in that is because um, people told me I couldn't do it. I couldn't say uh, people said I couldn't rap it, you know, well, you know they, uh, well, they said I couldn't make beats and whatnot. Too. And granted, some of my early, early shit is absolutely horrible. <laughs> it's really, really bad. But um, as I've gotten better, you know, with, you know, with years and decades under my belt, I've, I've actually been collaborating with people you know, internationally as well, too. So I'm working on that. And so there's a lot of shit I got going on with music. But it all stems from basically people telling me what I can't do. I mean, I, I'm going to do it regardless. But if you tell me I can't do something, that just kind of adds more fuel to the flame. Or, or more fuel to the flame. Most people that I've noticed that tell you shit like that, that say, yeah, you'll never be able to do it, are people that know that they can't do it themselves. Yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%. So they, 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 it's almost like they subconsciously don't want to see anybody else succeed, so they tell you shit to bring them back down to their level. Yep, yeah. Yeah, and... Uh, and uh, yeah. I, I saw something today. It said, "If nobody's laughing at your dreams and they're not big enough," yeah, I'm like, "That's a that's a good point." Um, there, there's a lot of instances where somebody said they're going to do something and people ridicule or make fun, and that person does it. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think that's why people have that knee jerk reaction is because they 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 as long as like they get jealous, like that they know they can't do it or they didn't think about doing it first, so they try to bring you down instead of trying to bring themselves up. Yeah. Which, Pretty toxic fucking trade, I think. Um, you, know, it, you know, it is because you know to to piggyback on that, man. Uh, um, if you think you can do something, you can. If you think you can't do something, you know you're right. You're right on both counts. You know, so uh, and there's and there's another aspect. You know, of the the quote that you had mentioned earlier. Um, there's another. Um, there's a similar quote that says, "If your goals don't scare you, then you know, like they're not big enough." Yeah, sure. There's always going to be, there's always going to be some kind of fear, and, and and we have to. I don't know, man. Fear should, in some cases, fear should make you die for it instead of instead of step back. I mean, that's yeah. like that's our mentality being played. That's our that's our safety mechanism keeping us in the safe zone by yeah. trying to think of things that scare you. And you have to you have to break that to get you know you have to get out of the comfort zone to grow. Everybody knows that. So oh, that's, yeah. that's no Definitely. different. How how long you been doing the music thing? Uh, see, since two thousand and seven. Um, do you, is there any type of specific message you're trying to send out um, with that? Um, uh, message? No, it, it is, there, well, I don't want to say there isn't a message because there always is a message. Um, basically it's like my message is the people, I don't, I don't care if it's music or anything that they want to do. Just, you just, you know, just believe in yourself, you know? And, um, just believe that you can get it done. And like, if you find people who are always negative towards you about, about your goals or whatever, not, um, maybe it's time that you leave the room. Maybe it's time that you find like-minded people. Maybe it's time that you stop associating with the people who don't really 
want to see you win because they can't see themselves winning. Like you said earlier, um, there's a lot of guys I grew up with, you know, who had that same mentality. Like, you know, whether it was me going to school, whether it was me playing ball or, or weight training or whatever it is, there's always a few individuals where they said, yeah, you know what? I don't think you can do it. I don't care. Cool, but fuck your opinion. But I don't give a fuck what you think. You know, motherfucker, you ain't me. You know I mean, so you know, there's there's people who are negative that being around them will kind of bring you it's down. Draining. It's draining. And yeah, and then there's people who will almost bring out a side of you you don't want to see. I've seen that where I've been around people, and that could be. Yeah. I'm not talking, you know, that could be anything is you hang around people that talk shit, then you start talking shit because you start emulating who you're around. So people need to be careful who they're around because I, I, you'll notice that I've seen people shift crowds and their attitude completely changes because they start emulating who they're around. And, and um, you know, it sucks because I've seen, I've seen some people that really had potential to do stuff and, and um, were really cool people and they started hanging around the wrong crowd and they started being real negative. Just yeah. in like talking shit and and you know start thinking they're better than everybody else and being stuck up and so it's because of the people are hanging around and yeah. it, it sucks you know uh, yeah. so you you have to be really careful because you'll feed off the energy of other people if you're around people that are yeah. negative stuff like I said it'll bring you down it'll fuck you up you got to be careful yeah. so and yeah. sometimes those people you cut out you don't want to cut out because they're close friends and but stuff but at the end to, of the day yeah. yeah you have to you have to yeah, move up and it's, it's, it's called a pack mentality. So, uh, yeah. and it's basically, it's a, it's a psychological thing that, that we all do that, you know, that we may, that we may not, that we may not know that we're doing, you know, and this is my college degree speaking, speaking on right now, but basically what a pack mentality is like, you, you find mannerisms or you find people that fit into your way of thinking, you know, um, that make you, that makes survival easier. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. But I mean, at the same time, you could also, instead of you finding people that are like-minded like you, you could put yourself in a group that's kind of a level up from you and that could cause you to level up and be with them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look at the you gym know, we train at. Look at some of the, the, there's some badass fuckers that come into that gym. There's pro yeah. athletes that come into that gym. Yeah. The rock comes into that gym. You so you're in, a, you're in an atmosphere with people that are at the fucking top of the mountain, like the top of the last mountain, yeah. you know? Yeah. So that if, the atmosphere in there is just drive, drive, drive. I remember when I first worked out in there, uh, me and my roommate at the time were just like, we wanted to do everything just because we were in there and the atmosphere was good. It's just like that shit bleeds off the walls. And yeah. it's um, so that's, that's the case of when you come to that gym, you're around a lot of people that are at higher up levels, but, but they're also nice and supportive and helping and stuff. They're not assholes. Yeah. So that's yeah. a very good environment for you to level yourself up by being around that environment. Yeah, well, majority of us right now are not assholes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, most of us are. Most of us, most of us in the gym, you know, we're super friendly and humble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have my moments, but it's all with good intentions. Sometimes I lose my shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, I like, like I've seen you do it too, and I'm like, God damn, what the fuck pissed hard y'all? Because, <laughs> like, like you be calm for like fucking like. You know, an abundant period of time, but there's something that flips in you, and you're like, and you just turn into a whole different person. I'm like, ah, damn, okay, it wasn't really that serious. <laughs> it's like, and but you know, then I get it out, and then I'm okay after that. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> do do you think do you think there's a? I mean, I know. 
I was going to ask, do you think that, that people are really focused on focusing on the negative? I do know that fear is being weaponized more now than it ever has been. It's been used 100%. to tear people away from stuff. And yep. because of the social media and that instant gratification, people are learning how to get how to get like um, almost a reward without any work. Like you post a picture, you look good, people start liking it. And all of a sudden you get that, that rush of feeling good and stuff, but you didn't do shit for that it. You just were on yeah. social media. Yeah. yeah. So I actually was listening to a podcast about this. It's really interesting. So because of that, we're taking away our sense of working for reward. And I think also because, you know, people get jealous and negative and stuff. I think um, a lot of our people say their, their focus tends to be negative. And we're having, like, I've, recently I had to train myself to start looking at positives of everything because mm-hmm. as soon as something bad happens, I'll lose my shit, but I have to see it as I, I have to try to teach myself to turn that around. So I don't do that anymore. You know, mm-hmm. like, um, like when I tore my bicep, you know, I was, I could have been like, Oh, you know, I'm all that work for nothing. Cause I'm not gonna get to compete, blah, blah, blah. I see it as, well, now I have about six months of nothing to do, but I can work on my career and training people and stuff because I won't be able to worry about bodybuilding for a while. So, you yeah. know, there's just ways of reframing things. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that needs to be taught more. What do you think? You think people are geared more now to be negative than than, than they have been in the past? Yeah, yeah. I, I think you know, um, social media to me, and um, this thought just popped in my head. You remember back in the day when they would give out participation trophies? Yeah. Social media is the same thing. You know, in terms of the likes and whatnot. Yeah. Well, that's you know, like that's what I think because because it's like everybody, everybody, everybody wants to brag about how much followers they got, this and this and that. And then, and then you find out that people are buying followers or doing you know, that type of shit, right? You know, there's you know, there's so much shit that people will do just to, you know, just to flex on motherfuckers, and it's like you flexing and nobody gives a fuck. And it's like I don't care if you have, you know, let's let's just say for arbitrary numbers, two hundred million followers. If you're a shitty individual, you're a shitty individual. You know, there's no way, there's no way around it. But in terms of, do you think? Do I think people are more prone to be negative? Yeah. Because you know they look and um they look at social media as a dopamine rush, you know, and they're like, oh well, so and so didn't like my picture, or so and so, you know, you know, didn't like this, or doesn't, you know, or like somebody posted a booty, a booty, and you know, and uh, tits and aspect, and they and they got like a fifteen thousand likes versus somebody who posts their uh, I don't know uh, their link to their music channel or their, you know or something something that they drew. And they got 50 likes. I'm like, yo, I take the 50 likes over the 15,000 because at least those 50 people, you know, like they rocking it versus those 15,000 just like what they physically saw. You know what Yeah, I mean? the 50 people will be more loyal because they're liking your yeah. content. Instead of somebody just saw an ass photo mm-hmm. and liked it by, by instinct, you know? I get yeah. that. Yeah. What, what, um, before I get too much into the music, I got a, I got a couple more things I want to ask that actually could be related to both. The, doing the bodybuilding and stuff, you know, cause that's really dedicated. I mean, restricted at some point mm-hmm. um, way of life, very dedicated, but yeah. doing that, you learn a lot of stuff that you can take outside the gym and be extremely successful. Yeah. Yeah. So what stuff have you noticed that you've taken out and you've either applied it to your music career or just your career in general? Like what's some traits you've learned competing that you've taken outside the gym and been successful with? Uh, with competing, the one thing that's taught me is this, it just to be patient. And uh, just to be patient and to to understand that it's like like you may be uncomfortable for this period of time, but being uncomfortable doesn't have to last. You know what I mean? So 
you know, in terms of bodybuilding is that when I say uncomfortable, I'm talking about the diet. I'm talking about the endless amounts of cardio that we got to do with the training and everything too. And, um, but the one thing with me, um, I remember when me and Jeff did my first show and I, I can still visualize the text messages in my head. He had me on a keto diet. Cause I like, like I said, I was coming down from 190 pounds. Yeah. So yeah. So he had me on that. And um, the one thing with keto is that I didn't realize like you couldn't have any carbs whatsoever. So I remember telling them like, you know, um, telling him, Hey man, you know what, can I have a piece of bread or this and this and that? Cause I remember he, he had said something about Ezekiel bread or something. So I, I, I was asking yeah. about that. And I said, Hey, you know what, can I, can I throw this into the diet, this and this and that? Then he was like, that he was like, yo, you know, like we can't do that right now because right now we're focused on on you getting losing all this body fat. And so you're gonna have to suffer for a bit. And I and I remember I started bitching about it. And he was like, yo, like no carbs means no carbs. They like embrace the suffering. And then he brought up the fact he goes in because and he coached the pro bodybuilders too and everything too. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah. so yeah. Yeah, and so, and so and so and um and he said, hey, you know, well, these these two particular bodybuilders, they embrace the suffering. So you know, it's like so it's like you got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And I remember telling him like, yo, I don't give a fuck what you know, you know what somebody else is doing. Like I'm not worried about that. And like like this is my mentor at the time, right? And then he told me like, yo, you know, he's like, I I, I understand you're uncomfortable right now, but if you stick with me, I guarantee you the package that we bring. Will not just suit you for the stage, but it will teach you how to navigate life and you know the, you know, the difficulties of that. And yeah, so, absolutely, yeah. And um, in in terms of the diet, man, is like um, when I when people tell me like, yeah, you know, well, I don't, I don't, I don't know how you can work out for an hour, hour, hour and a half, two hours a day, this and this and that. And it's like, yo, it's not that I have to; it's that I want to. Yeah, that's a good thing. It's like I want to do this. I want to do it, you know, but nobody's forcing me to do this shit. I can be like everybody else who goes home after their nine to five job and fucking watch TV for fucking five hours. And there are days I, you know, that I do do that. Believe it, believe it or not. But it's like, those are few and far, you know, in between. And it's like, like I work my nine to five, I get off, you know, and I go train for two hours. But for me, it's like, if I don't do that, if I don't have that mental release, that physical release where I can just, not worry about what happened on the, you know, what type of bullshit happened on the job or whatever it is. If I can just focus on training, whatever it is, and I can just focus on becoming better than I was the day before. That's what it is, man. You know, I, it's funny. Um, interesting. You say it, not funny, but um, I, you know, and ever since I come up with this line, I've no client has put me in a situation to use it yet. I'm almost pissed because I'm dying to use it. But when somebody comes in and they start fussing about their day or they're down and out and stuff. And I'm like, dude, you see that green dumpster out there? Take that shit and throw it in there and you can pick it up when you leave. <laughs> yeah. Don't bring that shit in here. Like, and this is, you know, this even goes as far as um, I've been to some gyms where they'll have rules. Like you can't take phone calls in the gym because you'll see people on business calls and stuff in the gym and they'll be talking. Oh. And, you know, and I started wondering about this rule. This, this relates because it's about people bringing stuff in the gym. They shouldn't. And yeah. I'm sitting there thinking like, even if you're like one of the busiest business guys, if you can't find an hour to keep to yourself, to have your own time, you got a fucking problem. Like yeah. the gym, I see the gym as, and I, I need to reframe this. I've gotten bad for not abiding by this. Like I was doing in pro. I came off contest prep, man. I've had to kind of refocus. So I'm in prep. I'm like all in, but 
I had to start seeing the gym as a place to where no matter what problems are going on or anything that I do, like I would put my phone, I would Bluetooth the headphones, the phone and start a playlist and leave the phone next to my bag over there at the cubbies so that I wouldn't yeah. look at it. And I wouldn't be bothered by people's text messages and shit. Or yeah. I'll, um, I've heard a tip put on airplane mode so that yeah. you won't get any notifications because like, it's not going to kill you to take an hour to yourself. Yeah. And that, that falls in the same line as bringing all your negative shit in there, bringing all your girlfriend problems in there, bringing your fucking work issues in there, yeah. leave yep. that shit in the dumpster out there in front of the air conditioning place. Or actually Mark has his own, Mark has his own green dumpster. So put it in Mark's dumpster and then bring your ass up the steps <laughs> to the train. Now, if you want to, if you want to put it, you want to pick it back up when you leave, that's on you, but don't yep. bring that shit in here. Yeah. And, um, that's that's um that's a good point. That's like a, I see this like a sanctuary, man. That's like your fucking time. Yeah. Any aggression, any any emotions you got to get out of your system. Like that's where the controlled chaos comes. You take all that negativeness yeah. and you control it and you use it to benefit you. And you get that shit out of your system. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I think a lot of people they look at the gym as an obligation, whether you know rather than a you know rather than a benefit, because um you go back to people being negative and whatnot too, um. And um, the one thing, because I train people too, you know what I mean? So, you know, I, I do uh, diet, you know, um, diets and workouts and everything like that too, you know? So, and then one thing I tell people is like, yo, like, I don't, I don't need you hundred percent every day, but what I do need, I, I need you to be at least 1% better than you were the day before. I don't expect you to yeah. be 100% every single fucking day because that's not, that's not realistic. You know, that's because everybody has, you know, um, I was having a conversation with somebody on, on, online this morning on social. And um, they were saying, oh, yeah, you know, well, um, it's because not, not, not everybody's hours and 24 hours is the same. People have kids, they, you, know, you know, they have jobs, they have deals and all this stuff. I was like, yeah, I get all that. But um, and the funny thing is, um, they were, we were talking about working out. And I said, if you can't carve out an hour to two hours a day, it doesn't have to be two hours, but at least three to five days a week, just for yourself, just for your sanity. Then that, then that means you have to, you know reschedule some things or, or you got to let some things go because it was like you have to be able to take care of yourself first before you can take care of anybody else that is probably the the one of the biggest things you've said so far like you have to yeah and some people will burn themselves out taking care of others instead of taking care of themselves and it's kind of like um it's a trickle-down effect it's like mm -hmm. you, you know if you have a boss that treats the employees like shit the employees are going to treat the customers like shit exactly you know so it's the same concept. Like if you can't be a good spirit, you can't practice what you preach to a certain extent. You can't take care of yourself. How are you going to teach these other people how to take care of themselves? You know, like I, I would never tell my clients to do something that I wouldn't do or that I haven't. Usually I haven't done. I usually test everything out. But yeah, it's um, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do have to take care. You have to put some pride. And it's not selfish to do that. If taking care of yourself brings other people it's up, it's not selfish. If me, like it's like if if me being successful brings my friends and stuff up around me, then it's not selfish for me to say fuck off. I got to get this done first. That's not me yeah. being selfish because in the end, it's going to help a lot of other people. And yeah. the stuff I learned training helps other people. So yeah, that's that's I yeah you you do have to put some time into yourself, you know, before yeah. you can take care of other people. That's a good point. Uh, yeah. Now, yeah. go ahead. Uh, and I was going to say too because if you don't do that, if you don't have that, you know, some people use boundaries. Some people use, um, you know, different terminologies. But um, the term I use is boundaries. If you don't have that boundary in between um, work and the gym or whatever it is, because it's like uh, one of my best friends, like we were, like we were best friends for forever, right? And um, and 
she would always text me or whatnot to when and this and this and that. And I'd be like, hey, you know what? I'm in the gym right now. Like, like let me come hit you back, you know, at a later time. Because I'm not gonna sit there for fucking 45 minutes and texting back and forth with your ass over some bullshit that can be handled at a different, you know, at a at a later time. It's like, yo, respect me or get the fuck out. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but I can understand how some people would take that as disrespect. But it's like, yo, right now you're violating my personal time. Right now you're disrespecting me because I'm telling you that I'm not able to have this conversation with you. Can we pick this shit up later? And that's and the piggyback off of, of what you said earlier. Um, the one thing a bodybuilding has taught me is that you don't need to react in you know in that particular moment. You know, whenever I'm in a heated situation with somebody, I don't care if it's personal or professional. I'm like, hey, you know what? I, I understand you're mad right now, but can we table this and can we pick this up at a later time when cooler heads prevail? Because you don't want to say something or do something that may be detrimental that you may yeah. not be able to walk back from. There should always be a cool off period before you talk about it. That's another weakness I had. Because you, like you just said before, you know, I, I act instinctively. So I've, I've had to learn in relationships and stuff to kind of like, just don't talk to anybody for like a fucking half a day and think about it. Yep. And then if you're still bothering you, then, you know, discuss it. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a good point. And, yeah. And, I, and, and to, to table that too, is like when you're, when you're able to do that, to step away from the situation and you're able to think like, okay, what was the real issue? Because it's like, most of the time it's, it's not what you, it's not what you said, it's what people heard. So a lot, a lot of the times people will, and that there's a difference between listening to somebody and hearing somebody. A lot of people won't, won't listen to you, but they hear what you, you know, you know, they hear what you said, but they'll but they'll filter it, you know, in their own way of thinking. You know, yeah. and then they jump to conclusions about it and they're like, yo, that wasn't even remotely what the fuck I was talking about. But okay, let's dive into that. You know what I mean? So yeah. Now um let's see. Moving on to, I forgot to ask you when you're talking about sports. What other what other sports do you follow besides basketball, and which teams do you like? Ooh, um, college football. It's uh, uh, USC Trojans because of Reggie Bush. Uh, Reggie Bush is uh, <laughs> why are you shaking your head? Because <laughs> you gave us uh, the shittiest quarterbacks. <laughs> That's where fucking oh, is that where is that where Darnold came from? Darnold came from USC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He came from USC. You know, fuck. <laughs> Reggie Bush. Reggie Bush was good though. All right, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, um, Miami Hurricanes because of uh, the 2000 and 2001 seasons, and um, I still believe that Ohio State robbed us of that championship. You know, <laughs> from 20 years ago. But that's neither here nor there. Um, the documentary that they have on that team on those two teams are great. Um, uh, if you get if you watch Thirty for Thirty, so um, yeah, and. College basketball, I gotta represent for the you know, University of Hawaii because like I'm a I'm a hooper at, at heart, so I'm always gonna represent hooping basketball first. But in terms of basketball, it's it's UH Manoa and um probably probably Duke because everybody loves to see you know like everybody hates Duke and I'm like fucking Duke's great dude and it's like like you got a coach there you know that what well, you know who was coaching that for damn near forty years yeah he's um, in there forever. Yeah, and I think he just retired. I think the end of last year. Yeah, he just retired. Yeah. And um, I mean, they say, but you had so many. Uh, you had the Fab Five, you know, and so you know, so you, so you had so many great players 
in between those decades come in, you know, and it's like just re- revolutionizing game. Um, in terms of pro for basketball, it's a uh, I grew up a Lakers fan, but um because of Kobe and Shaq, and um, and that's and that's another story that you know that that we're gonna dive into too that uh, I just thought about um, and um, but now I I follow you know the Chicago Bulls and. For professional football, it's about the Baltimore Ravens because you know, yes. I've been I, I've been riding with them for since. Dude, I remember when they had Elvis Gerback. You remember when they used to be the Browns? That was the old Browns team that they moved to mm-hmm. Baltimore because they exactly. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. And remember that first year? I liked. I really liked the Shield logo on their helmets. Besides the Ravens, yeah. remember the very first year? I liked those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the jersey is pretty dope too, though. The jersey is dope yeah. too. Now, USC. I was giving you crap about that, but Miami, that's where we got Testa Verde from. So I have to give you credit mm-hmm. for that. Yeah. Yep. Now, Duke, I'm I grew up in Chapel Hill for a little bit. So of course <laughs> I'm gonna be a UNC fan. I was down there though when it was like um Jerry Sackhouse, Rashid Wallace, Eric Montross, when they had that fucking all-star yeah. team. Fucking squad back in the day. Yeah, yeah squad. that guy Montross was like seven feet tall, I think. Mm-hmm. He was mm-hmm. a monster. Fucking Sheed was like six ten, six eleven, but he can but but he can handle the ball. And then he, then then he had Stackhouse. It's like he was a problem for everybody. Was like, no you remember that three sixty dunk? You remember that three sixty mm-hmm. dunk he did that they talked about for fucking ever during the playoffs? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was that. That was and for you guys that are not old enough to remember this. During the nineties, every fucking year it was either UNC or Duke. Yeah, every Duke, yeah. year, and a national every year. Okay. Like yep. no no other team fucking mattered. Yeah, and, you know? and honestly, and honestly, to this day, I don't care what I'm doing. You know, like if. You know, if I can sit down and watch a UNC and Duke game, I'll do that because simply because of the history behind it. And that's and a rivalry, quite, man. Yeah, quite frankly, it's like it, like it, it um, it never disappoints. You know, because there's a a, a, a a lot of them guys from Duke and North Carolina, they go on to be Hall of Famers. Like people forget that um, James Worthy played for Mike played for Michael Jordan. People forget man. that uh, you know. Um. Oh, what's his name? I can't. Uh, I can't think of his last name. Um. He played with Michael Jordan too. So there's a, there's um there's a bunch of guys who are Hall of Famers simply because of that of that lineage too. And Chapel Hill and 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 Duke is not that far far away from each other. I think like no, no, about no. a mile, 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 mile. It's like mile, Chapel Hill, Dukes, Dukes in Durham. I think. Yeah, yeah, Duke's yeah. close, but it's it's only like forty five minutes or so. It's not that yeah. long. It's not that far. It's away. not that far of a drive. Yeah, and you forget on um, Duke also had. Remember the only college player on the dream team, Christian Leitner. Christian, yeah, yeah. Now right, that was yeah. that was back yeah. when Larry Bird came out of retirement. Magic Johnson mm-hmm, had HIV yeah. and he still played. Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. like, Charles Barkley. That was a yeah. fucking. They would beat. It was like the opposing team would get autographs and shit for them for getting their ass beat by them because <laughs> yeah, they were yeah. just like superstars. But Christian Leitner was the only college guy on that team, I believe, and he was from yeah. Duke. Yeah. I mean, Leitner, you know, like everybody hated him, but he was so fucking good. And he was so cocky. But at the same time, I was like, I'm like, no, nah. like, I don't think he was cocky. It's, it's the fact that everybody hated how successful that team was. Yeah. Like you got like, to remember how successful that team was. You know, from yeah. top to bottom. You know? And it just so happens that you had a fucking guy who was what like six eight six nine, and he could shoot the fuck out of the ball. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and uh, 
there's there's a there's a line between confidence and cocky. Sometimes people get it misinterpreted. Um, there's there's a line to cross. <laughs> but if you're confident, somebody there's a difference. Like you can be confident and say, "Hey, yeah, I'm going to be able to do this." Being cocky is more of like being an asshole. But sometimes you're yeah. confident. People will call you cocky just because they get mad yeah. that you are confident. You know exactly because you're blowing up the spot. <laughs> blowing up the blowing up the little you know blowing up the you know, the little bubble. Uh, first off, I'll ask you this first: If you could collab with any artist, who would it be? It would be um, Ella May. Ella May, she is an R&B, um, an R&B singer. And um, the yeah. reason why um, uh, her voice is, uh, she has a very distinct voice. And um, um, uh, she has, um, um, she, um, she's from London, but she, but she spent some of, some of her time growing up in New York City. And, but okay. if you ever listen to her music, it's like, I'm drawn to different types of voices too. So it's like, so like whenever I record, you know, like my voice is always going to be, it's going to be a little bit lower, you know, than what it is right now, just simply because yeah. of how I pronounce things and everything too. But with her, man, it's like number one, um, she's great. She's a, uh, um, she's every single project that she brings out is basically she's she's telling the world about herself. And um, and uh, the last album that she brought up, let me look it up. The last album that she came out with was so. The last album she came out with was uh, is on um, 2022. It was hard on my sleeve. So basically, she's talking about how like she's having trouble with um, romance and relationships, this and this and that. Um, and as she has this one song, it's called um, "Don't Fuck Me Up," which basically means please don't play me. You know, like you know, like don't make me put myself out there. It's to be disappointed again. And so okay. there's a lot of shit that she talked about in her records is like, uh, and every single album that she comes out with is it's, it's more of a progression and it's more basically trying to figure things out. And like, well, she's still going through that same progression and, uh, and she's becoming more and more confident in who she is. And top like, it off, she's fucking beautiful too. Yeah. I like artists that actually talk about experiences and stuff and have the passion in their music. And you can tell a difference rather than people that just have a beat with a catchphrase and then all these motherfuckers go out and buy the shit. Yeah. But um, that's I'm, I, that's why I was wondering who you would pick. Um, if Because, yeah, I mean, you listen to stuff like, and this goes into my next question. Um, it's just, it's not the same now. It's like, there's a lot of like, how can we sell one track as much as possible? It's catchphrase, beat that you'll never get out of your yeah. head. And then let's overplay it on the radio so we can force these people to think that this is what's good, even though it's not. And they go yeah, out and buy bad. the shit out of it. Now, yeah. how do you think, you know, that's music now pretty much. How do you think what was so different about from now than 10 or 20 years ago? Do you think, um, are the artists missing something, missing a focus or miss? Cause you listen to like even the rap stuff from back in eighties and nineties, like there was anger, there was passion in that. Like they yeah. were bitching about stuff that people weren't listening to them about, you know, yeah. and they put it in the music and, and you can hear it. And mm -hmm. You're like, this guy's really like into this shit. It's they, you know, and so you can tell there's a lot of passion and feelings in there, mm -hmm. but today it just seems like a lot of songs, instead of like, they always say there's a difference between a musician and an artist, like an artist, like Prince, like guys that like, this is no matter how much money they make, they're still going to tour because they love doing it. Then you have guys yeah. today that, will use it as, and it's not, I'm not saying a bad thing. They'll use it as just to make a one hit track to make money, then cash out and invest in something exactly. else. You'll never yeah. see them again. Yeah. So what, what, what do you think is the biggest difference from 10, 20 years ago than now? I think from, or you, or you, you can even take it back to even further. Cause I'm, um, um, funny thing is when you, when you, when you bring up music, um, 
I used to download a lot. A lot of my music was off like LimeWire and Napster and whatnot. So again, oh, I'm yeah. aging myself. Again, I'm I'm aging myself again. But uh, I I remember making a I I had downloaded the whole album of, of uh, NWA. You know, like niggas with attitude. Yeah. And yeah. um my and my radio clock at the time it it dubbed as a CD player too, where you could um you could pick a song and 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 set your alarm to it and it, and it will play. And so the song I picked every morning that I got up and that I woke up to was uh, um, "Fuck the Police," <laughs> and and I remember uh, my mother uh, at, at the time uh, she was like she was like she came into my room and she was like, "Who is that?" I was like, "Oh, that's NWA." She's like, "NWA," and my mother like she she's she's local, she's from here, you know, but. In terms of hip hop, she has nothing, she doesn't know nothing about it, right? And so I yeah. said, "Hey, you know," I said, "Yeah, you know what? It's an acronym. It stands for niggas with attitude." And she was like, "Huh?" And I was like, "Yeah, you know." And so I, you know, I explained to her, you know, what they were talking about. I'm like, "I'm like, yo, it's like you take away all the cuss words and everything too. They're literally reporting what's going on in the hood. They're literally reporting." The political injustices and everything that's going on is like and what, you can hear the anger when they're talking yeah, about it too. Yeah, yeah, you know, and uh. And that that went on from the eighties to to the nineties, um, the early two thousands. I think what's missing nowadays is a lot of guys lack substance, but a lot of guys sound the same, you know. And a, a lot of them are afraid to be vulnerable with their music, you know. The difference between eighties and nineties versus twenty, you know, you know, even the, you know, the mid mid two thousands or whatever, whatever, and going forward is like a lot of guys. They're just looking for that one hit. Whereas you ever listen to an album and it's got maybe two or three good tracks in it and the rest is all shit. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's the same thing. Um and but yeah, I think that um a, a lot of guys do you know they just they just like that substance, you know, they don't they don't have that passion, that drive because it's like nowadays too, and I think this is where streaming and everything comes into play because it's like Back in the day, you had to go get it like a day. You had to prove yourself. Whereas nowadays, yeah. you can set up a you know, where you can set up a fucking platform like Apple Music, Spotify, Twitter, whatever the fuck you want to set it up on, and boom, this shit's out there. You don't have to put in the work because it's like you know, or you don't have to grind as hard as you want to grind because you can just put out trash music and people are still gonna fucking listen to it. Um, the one thing, um, what's what's that one guy's name? Fucking oh, designer. You remember designer? Fucking that song, Panda, Panda, Panda. No, maybe if I heard it. Yeah. Anyway, it's like it's like it's 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 a song called Panda. This motherfucker is inaudible on the whole track. You can't hear what the fuck he's talking about, but the beat is catchy. So people be like, "Yeah, fucking designer, this fucking designer." Yeah, I'm like, you listen to the record, and like this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, mean, uh, I, I don't want to get you canceled or nothing, but I'm I'm just saying. <laughs> no, it's all good. There's um, we were talking about uh, was you were you said the table when I was talking about mystical the other day about he he was, was the original yeah, yeah. catchphrase screamer. Everybody's yeah. like, mm -hmm. oh, little John. I'm like, no. Before little John, there was mystical. Yeah. He just yeah. yelled and told you to do shit, <laughs> and he had a nice beat behind it. Yeah. And he would, that was his thing yeah. and he was good at it. But then when he went to prison, like other people just stole it and ran with it, I guess. Yeah. yeah. You know? And uh, I God. think uh, that's another thing too. Uh, 
a lot of guys lack creativity because you know because you just hit on it too. Like a lot of guys will bite all other people's styles, you know, yeah. and they they will rap about the same shit. Because it's like you look at hip hop nowadays, all they talk about is uh, drugs, guns, fat women, this and this and that. But then people are shocked that you know that these guys are dying by the same, you know, by the same way that they rapped about. Is it? If you rap about certain lifestyles and this and this and that, we're talking about, you know, well, having a hundred thousand dollars worth of jewelry, buying, you know, driving, you know, expensive ass cars, this and this and that, you know, selling drugs, all kinds of shit, right? It's like if you rap about that shit, people are going to assume that you're living that lifestyle. And so when when you get caught up dealing with street, I mean, I don't dealing with street individuals um, who are really about that life, and you're not about that life. You get exposed, and a, a lot of times, like like these rappers die simply because, you know, they're not really living a lifestyle that they're rapping about, but they're rapping about it because they know that it makes them money. And if you each, and you can even dig 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 deeper into uh, the rap industry itself. It's like if you talk to any CEOs or any major CEO, they say they can't stand fucking rap music, but it makes them the most money. Why? Because suburban white kids listen to this shit. People in the hood listen to this shit. People across all ages listen to, you know, you know, all ages, you know, like listen to hip hop and rap too. But a lot of these motherfuckers ain't living that lifestyle. You know, you know it's, it's glamorized though. It's funny because I, I think I was kind of the opposite because of where I grew up. It was like country music and shit was always the stuff. So I always like listen to some of the older country music because mm-hmm. I knew what everybody listened to and I want to know what it was about. So I kind of like some of it, but I don't listen to it regularly. But if I if I what used to when I would drink, I would know some words of some songs while I got drunk. But we it's like the, I never I never listened to rap much because I guess the environment I grew up in, not in a bad way, but just what didn't listen to it much. So I didn't listen to it much. Like nobody in my house or my family listened to it. They all listened like 70s, 80s metal and yeah. Led Zeppelin and shit, which I got into. But looking back now and listening to some of that 80s, 90s shit now, I'm like, fuck, man, I missed out. I should have been into that stuff because there was some good mm-hmm. stuff then. And, you know, the, but I will say the only and I've told you this before, the only rap album I ever really went out and bought. And actually, all my friends bought, too, because all of us, we didn't care. If we were country fans. Well, we a lot of us that I knew had this album. That is fucking Wu-Tang Forever. That is one of my Classic. favorite all time albums. It's like you just put it in a hit play and let that shit go. And it is it's God. I just. They're fucking beats and stuff. That's like it's so. It's like how in the '80s you had all these hair metal bands, but then you had Def Leppard that was like doing yeah. this rock pop thing that nobody could ever recreate. It's like you yeah. got rap music, then you got Wu Tang, where there's like eight or nine different people, but you can tell who's who 11. because all their freestyles 11. are different. Eleven, yeah. yeah. So like, but you listen to, um, oh God, what is the name of that song? Was it Triumph? Is that it? Like, or there's up. all these and they're all freestyling and you can tell who's who because all their styles are different when they yep. freestyle mm-hmm. and like the, the beats they come up with stuff it's like you nobody else can recreate that shit so like i like the uniqueness i like people that do stuff different and those guys really hit it mm-hmm. and you're like as soon as the song starts like you know it's wu-tang or one of the guys on their solo albums or something you know it's yeah. them yeah i mean it's like 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 you look at guys like uh you know, RZA, or, you know, you know, Method Man, Red Man. It's like, it's like, collectively as a group, you know, like they were, they were great, but individually, they could also hold their own weight too. Like that, oh, yeah. like that was the most, that was the most impressive thing where like you could tell who was doing what, what they sounded like because nobody was, everybody was different, but they all came together and they made hit after hit after hit. And I, 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 I think they had it. 
they had an interview on them. They had a documentary on them too, quite a while back. It was a Wu Tang, uh, Wu Tang something. Let me let me look it up for you right now. Um, so I know you said you didn't grow up, you know, listening to hip hop, but if you had to choose which artists that you could that you would want to listen to back in your childhood that you know of now, who would it be besides Wu Tang Clan? Now say again, if I could listen to any artist that I didn't listen to back then. Yeah, besides Wu Tang Clan. So like, you know, like any any eighties or nineties or even early two thousands hip hop artists that you know about now that you didn't know about, you know, know about back then, who who would it be and why would you want to listen to them? I wish I would have listened more to Tupac because when I hear his shit now, I'm like, fuck, that's really good. Like I wish, and I don't know, and I know he's got tons of good songs, but I just haven't listened to him. I just hear other people play him. I'm like, God, that's really good. It's um, I I just yeah, that's one guy I would have probably listened to more back then. Um, yeah. you know, Biggie really didn't know much about him till after he died. So yeah. maybe listen to some of his stuff before then. Every once in a while I hear a song, but I would like to, I would like to have dived into those guys as much as I did like Def Leppard and all these other bands because I know a lot of nerdy shit about bands from back yeah. then. Because I love that music. I just wish with those guys I would have dove more into it and learned more about it then. Yeah, yeah. Was that the era? If you could bring back any era of music, would that be it? Like the nineties, two thousands? What um actually you know I would bring back the late eighties all the way up to the late night you know, late nineteen nineties because for me that that was my childhood and so uh, and um I because I, I listened to it you know we'll put it this way um my dad was a big time jazz guy and um and we'll dive into that music thing you know this is why I do what I do right now um and my mother she was a big time um a Beatles fan yeah. um. She had man, she had all the records and shit, you know, and uh, every single bit of record that came out, like she got it, you know. Yeah. Um, and so growing up, I was always exposed to different music, and um, and uh, what got me into hip hop in general was um, um, growing up, um, my babysitter, she had a she had children, you know, who, you know, who were around my age and older, so I was exposed to a lot of music, and uh, most of it was hip hop, and so probably one of the first tracks I ever heard was a. Uh, Kooji raps fast life. I must have been about six or seven, and um, I remember um the intro. They're talking about like um the intro was talking about and and like and then and then the beat came on and I'm like, oh snap, you know. And then right then and there, I got hooked. And um, I just music for me growing up, it it was more of an escape because it's like I was listening to guys like well, you got to remember too, like uh, you had changing faces, you had R and B groups, you had TOC. You had um, hip hop artists like Tupac and Biggie, so you you had an influx of so many different people doing so many different things at the same time yeah. that made music what it was. And I and I, and I'm just talking about R and B and hip hop. I'm not talking about jazz or country or anything else like that too. And as I got older, I started to ex- explore more musically because it's like, okay, yeah, hip hop and rap and R and B is great, but what about everything else? What about country? What about jazz? You know, you know, and so. That's what kind of just don't, and that's what kind of just made me dive into because I was naturally curious. And um, we had a makeshift studio in our house, and so growing up, we had turntables, mics, and all that stuff. And so my dad, I think he had probably about a close to a thousand records, and uh, he would alphabetize it by genre. So it'd be first by genre, and then it'd be by artist. So 
and I, it took a uh, it took a while to get the shit done, but uh, I got it done. And I, I was always always surrounded, you know, I was always surrounded by music, you know. So you know, that kind of just fed me into uh, into what I you know into what I do now, and so and yeah. Have you ever tried writing? Um writing beats coming up because you know back in the day they used to go buy the records and they would start sampling pieces of songs and that's yeah. how they did their music i mean it would they would be like with a tape deck like recording themselves and these guys would take hours to come up with like to, yeah. to find one beat you know off a track yeah. did you have you ever tried doing that yeah i have actually um my album that i'm working on is the original concept i was going to take um my dad's old jazz albums and um i have this turntable where you can isolate um you know um the vinyl records and save it to your computer so you literally plug up the turntable to your computer and it will play the track through the turntable and it will let you record um um to your computer but the only problem is that it takes a long time yeah. <laughs> and it, it, it's a it's a painstaking process but you know it's a it's a great process to do but um i actually I usually work off samples anyway because I use this website called Splices, uh, and so it's it has everything from hip hop to like every single genre you know that you can think of, and um there's there's loops there's there's you know, there's there's one shots basically one shot is pretty much like a like a fast like one or two second you know loop you know that you can pull in that that's an interesting process because it's like um if I was to sit here and make beats um by hand i could do it but it, it takes a lot of time and sometimes it's like you know most of us work at nine to five so we don't have that much time to do it so i try yeah. to make a beat at least if not every day every other day so now where can people go to to listen to your stuff oh um, that i'm still working on that and so uh, i'm i'm coming up coming up with a web page and everything so um, that's taking a little a little longer than you know than what i like but uh I I just I just have to find I I have to find the time to do just to make that web page happen. So. Have you thought about SoundCloud? Yeah, I got SoundCloud and everything. So SoundCloud actually actually I do have a SoundCloud. So yeah, I have a SoundCloud and everything. So a lot of the stuff on there is uh is kind of old. So I um I I I I have to update and everything. But uh yeah, that I do. You have should yeah. you should put your because. There's something that I do. I never take down a lot of my old stuff from my old YouTube channel because, you know, you, you talk about how your older tracks were and people can list that and they can hear you getting better as you're putting more time into it. And that can be motivating for some people. Like if you were to look at some superstar and then he was always like that, even though when he first started, it's not gonna be very motivating. But if you look back when he first started, you're like, dude, this guy just kind of sounds generic. Like, but he, but then you start listening, like he kept trying until he found his sound. And that's usually how it is a lot of artists. They'll, they'll, there'll be a couple of okay albums and there's one where they fucking nail it. And like, this is what we're supposed to be. And then that album takes off. Right. But if yeah. you don't hear all the earlier stuff, you don't realize that it's kind of, yeah. it's just motivating. It's like, well, if I start now, then what could I be in the same amount of time that these guys grew in that amount of time, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, yeah, but yeah, so I do have a SoundCloud and I do have a, uh, I have a couple of YouTube pages too. So I do do a podcast on every Sunday. It's called Clanging and Banging with, you know, with Mikey. And uh, that particular podcast was actually started during the pandemic. And uh, that was when they shut down the gyms and everything too. And um, I actually had a, uh, actually had, actually had weights at the house. And so I, I had, a, had like a little miniature gym I remember set that. up. Yeah, so 
I would I would film me and a couple of buddies working out because it's like most of us were unemployed at the time and because it's like, you know, you know, we, we were laid off because of COVID. So uh, a lot of the times too is like um um guys would come over with two, three hours and like maybe it like we'd be talking story and I just I just I just be lifting weights, you know, because it's like there's nothing else for, for us to do, you know, besides that, right? And so um and um a, a lot of my friends who did come over and train, they're like, bro, like if you didn't do what you did, you know, by extending, you know, extending extending that olive branch out and, and helping us, you know, get through this particular rough time is like there's no there's no questions as to I probably wouldn't I probably wouldn't be here simply because of, you know, um not having an outlet. So, you know, and um I I did have a couple of people I know did commit suicide because of uh, the pandemic and everything too. I mean, well, not just solely because of the pandemic, but everything else they had that that they had going on. So, you know, I try my best to reach out, reach out to people, and I and I try to try my best to check up on check up on people too. So, yeah, you know, so it's it's, uh, it's it's interesting. It's um, you know, when when you take away positive distractions from people, what kind of problems start snowballing in their head? I think, you know, when it comes to the gym being therapeutic or, or somebody's work being therapeutic, it's because it comes to distraction. If you start thinking about all the negative stuff that bothers you or, or, you know, your insecurities and stuff, and you have nothing to do and you keep thinking about it, it's just going to amplify. It's going to get stronger the more you think about it. But mm-hmm. if, if you go and you like go to the gym and get out of your system, get that, you know, um, get, get the, you know, a rush or whatever. And, and you know, or, you know, you work on something you're really passionate about and do that instead of focusing on negative, you know, it could save somebody's life. Yeah. You know, so when, when they started shutting everything down and taking all the like, community centers and gyms and stuff, I was like, man, this is going to be bad because this is, this is some people's outsource. Cause I think everybody needs an outsource, whether it's football, whether it's writing music, yeah. whether it's lifting weights, you start taking away those outsources and people are going to like, they have nowhere to vent that, that, that energy. It's just going to cause them to blow up. Yeah. You know, so that, that's mm-hmm. a, yeah, it's a good thing you did you by extending, you know, everybody giving other people chances to work out and stuff. Cause sometimes that's all people have, yeah. you know? Yeah. And uh, it was funny too, cause it was like, um, like a couple guys, you know, like they wanted me to, you know, like they wanted, they wanted to pay me for that. I'm like, like, no, bro. It's like, I figured like, if I'm, if, if I'm inviting you to my house to come live, you know, live waste, you know, live waste with me or just chop it up and talk story. You don't need to pay me. You know, like I'm doing it because I want to do it. You know what I mean? so, yeah. 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 And I mean, at least when you're in there, you, you know, you're, you're, you're making yourself better. You're investing in yourself and you're trying to be better. So yeah. I think that gives that thing, just knowing that's a good feeling for some people, knowing that, you know, at least, at least for an hour or two, I went in, I did something for myself and made myself better today. Yeah. You know, you take away, you take away that. I, it's just dangerous. I think I don't, you know, and um, yeah. So, Anybody, last thing I want to ask you, anybody that's wanting to get started and something they're passionate about or some love they have or whatever, and they have any doubt or they worry about a setback that might keep them from, or, you know, naysayers or, you know, well, I can't because of this, you know, even if it's something that they work hard, they can get around because I, I, I won't say that opportunity is equal. Some people have a better opportunity than others, but it doesn't mean that. Yeah, you mm-hmm. may have to work a little harder, but that doesn't mean you can't have what the other person has. You just have to work harder. And that's life and it sucks. But some things we have to realize. So what, what advice would you give some people to be in that situation? Mm. Mm. 
if you have doubt, you know, um, the fear of failure, whatever it is, um, that's just you leaving your comfort zone. That's you knowing that you deserve something better, knowing that you want to do something better with your life, and knowing that what you're doing right now isn't doesn't speak to that. You know, a lot of people will stay in a comfortable situation just simply because this is what they know. And I'm talking about, I'm talking about, you know, like your like your job, your relationship, your marriages, whatever it is. A lot of people will stay because that's all they know. Because number one, they're afraid to they're they're afraid to step out and do what they want to do. And number two, they're afraid of what other people may think about. And at the end of the day, everybody's gonna have an opinion. Like my dad famously said, is like he said, uh, he said, uh, opinions are like assholes. Everybody got one. Yeah, you know, and it may sound crude, but like the older I get, the more and more I think about them. Like, yeah, that makes some, that makes complete sense. Um, I think at the end of the day, um, if you want to do something, go ahead and do it. You know, if you want to be the, you know, and uh, that's one thing I told one of my good friends. Uh, I said, bro, I said, uh, who cares if you're the first person not to graduate from, you know, well, I mean, who cares if you're the first person that you're, that you're going to college and getting, a, you know, getting that degree for? Somebody got to be the first. Why not? You know, why not? Why not have it be you? And he was like, what is it? Like, think about it. He's like, you got to, you got to set the blueprint so other people can follow and it, and it may not be the best blueprint. It may, it may not be the best foundation, but you know, you got to start somewhere. You know, and I think yeah. a lot of people they they're just they're just so afraid of what other people are going to think about them, or or they're they're afraid of the, of the of the negative you know feedback that they're going to get. But like we said earlier, people who say that you can't do something because they can't picture themselves doing something. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of the reasons I, they tell you why you can't is stuff that's usually dealing with them why they know they can't. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people will sit there and be like, oh, well, I couldn't do this or do that. So, you know, Joe Small, or, you know, or Mike, or, you know, or even you Hodge or whatever it is. Like, I remember we've had conversations, you know, before you got into personal training where you would, you know, you were basically you were you were an, an alcoholic, more, more or less, right? Oh, yeah, I drink a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so when you t- when you told people that you grew up with, like, yeah, man, I'm a, I'm become a personal trainer. I'm do this, yada yada yada. I'm gonna enter bodybuilding shows. What's the first thing they told you? Probably they couldn't see me doing it because of the habits I was having at that time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, but then again, too, is like like that version of you is as all they know. I'm pretty sure 10, 15, 20 years down the road is like they still look at you and think, oh, how's that dude with the fucked up haircut? You know, you know, and then <laughs> yeah, I had to throw that in there, man, because because you had that fucking mullet. You <laughs> show me that picture, I'll never forget it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, I, a lot of people will see you in your current state and not realize that you know that that you've grown and you and that you've matured. Well, they they're still stuck in the same space mentally, and and I think being stuck in the same space mentally is even worse than being stuck in the same place physically. Yeah, you know. And uh, to close this wrap or to wrap it up, uh, my dad told me something when, when I was 19 and uh, something I'll never, I'll never forget. He said, uh, there's two types of people in this world. Those who grow older with wisdom and those who just grow older. He's like, you got to decide which person that you want to be. 
Because whoever you become, that's who you always wanted to be. Hmm. And the you know, some of that wisdom comes from trial and error and failing too. Hmm. So, you know, people are usually, you know, so that would make me think that people are usually wise, have done a lot of shit and failed a lot of times and have fucked up a lot of times because they went out and kept doing different new shit instead of doing the same thing every day. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah. And, uh, it's, and, and one last thing, too. Uh, my yeah, cousin yeah, sent ahead. me something. My cousin sent me something a while back. He said that, and uh, uh, she had sent me this uh, this picture and, and it had the word fail on it. and But it was an acronym. It says for future attempts in, you know, in you know in life so basically yeah, you yeah, take yeah. a negative and making it making it into a positive well yeah i mean i mean if, if you don't you gotta I, sometimes i tell people losing makes winners like you fail and you're yeah, like okay what do i have to do next time to make it better or somebody fails like you know what i don't want to feel like that again so i need to nail it next time you know it, it can be turned into a a positive it's an opportunity now you have a chance to learn and apply so that you can do better next time and if you keep doing that and keep getting better next time eventually you're going to win yeah, you got no choice so. but to win because it's like because you end up building, you know, you end up building, you know, good habits along, and plus you know what works and what doesn't work. So why the fuck would you keep doing something that doesn't work, thinking it's gonna yeah. work? Yeah. You know, at some at, at some point in time, you gotta, you know, something's gotta click in your head. But like, okay, I've done it this way. I went left fucking ninety percent of the time. What the fuck is on the right side? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like it sounds yeah. arbitrary, but when you really think about it, if you keep doing the same shit and, and you're expecting a different result, that's that's by definition insanity. Yeah. And it's um, you know, when people get into trying to lose weight or change their lives, they they expect a different result from doing the same shit they do every day. And I tell them, like, you're a product of your lifestyle. If you want to be somebody different tomorrow, you have to change the things you do today. Yeah. But it's hard though, because yes. In order for them to do that, not only do they have to rewire themselves physically, but they got to rewire themselves mentally. And they got to rewire themselves, you know, the people they associate with. And it's usually the people that you associate with are the ones closest most to you who don't believe that, you know, that you can do it because they see you day in and day out, you know. Or, or like or a lot of people will, um, will sit there and make excuses like, motherfucker, and like all the excuses that you had, you could have got this shit done, done six months ago. The fuck is your problem? You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's like, and like yeah. but some people, some people, you can talk to that way. Other people, are like, yeah, I get it, but you know, you not not that you got a baby them, but you kind of you got to soften the blow, you know? Because yeah. a, a lot of people, you know, nobody likes being told what they're bad at. But there's a difference between being told what you're bad at and being being taught how to fix it versus just being taught, you know, just being told that you're bad at something all the fucking time. Nobody yeah. wants to, you know, yeah. Um, Mike, thanks for coming on, man. Um, yep. we, we had about an hour and a half. I think it's the longest one I've done in a while. This is good. Yep. So, um, I'll send me, you know, send me all your info of like links and all that for people to check out. You guys can check it out in this description, but Mike, thanks for coming on, man. I will have this posted soon. Thanks for joining us. I'll see you in the gym later. I'll probably see you tomorrow. All right, brother. Yep. I'll That's see you man, later. All right. Bye.